Hey, Stu, your rent's due, motherfucker. Hey, Aries, you heard about that new uh, podcast app called Anchor? I sure did, Andy. Guess what? It's time to pay some bills. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. And they have tons of creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And we know you know about that money, Jew boy. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go download your Anchor app now for free, or you can go to anchor.fm to get started today. Can you feel it, baby? That money? Yeah. And don't be pulling that falling down the stairs shit on me, you hear? Yo, what's up? This is the big Shaquille O'Neal. I used to be the big Shamrock, the big Cavalier. Make sure you support me and Andy Steinberg's podcast. Go to iTunes and... Spears and Steinberg. Spears and Steinberg. Spears and Steinberg. Spears and Steinberg. On iTunes. On iTunes and rate something? Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You got to rate us. 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 We got to know what, what's, what's going on. So we, can we move up on and get some stars on uh, on iTunes? Yeah. DMX, we need some stars on iTunes. Go to Spears and Steinberg on iTunes. Rate a motherfucker. Uh-huh. Hey, yo, E.G. Sly. How you doing, man? Yeah, more indictments. Handing out, giving out indictments, baby. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Everybody's being a bad boy. Man. But, uh, Keep it, your dick in your pants, ladies and gentlemen, or gentlemen. It's, uh, it's, it's, it stems from uh, crimes of him uh, jerking off in front of chicks. Right. From 2002 to 2006, I guess, is five women have come out. Uh, one of the things that bugged me the most though, about it is uh, people not accepting his apology. They said it, that it didn't feel like, here's what I want to know. Is, how, how do you get to tell someone their apology sucked? I mean, he said he was remorseful. He named the people, and he said he did it. No one else in all these sexual scandals has said that they did it. They didn't name the person. Right. And his apology sucked. It, I heard people, there's actually a comic that I really liked that uh, went in on it. And I saw these other people piling on, and it's easy to pile on. It really is easy just to. Again, we we are. I feel like we always have to preface it by saying no one is trying to make light of sexual harassment or taking advantage of a woman in any way. But I mean, when you talk about Hollywood, uh, you know, Hollywood is that place where everybody. It's a trend, man. Every everybody likes to jump on the latest trend. So again, I'm not sitting here trying to. Uh, demean uh, the situation like it's like it's a trend but it's just yeah everybody's it's all of this stuff is coming full-on blitz you know like like it just it feels like every week there's a new one yeah and i like i said i'm not i'm not putting anyone i'm not trying to make light of it i'm not trying to make it funny i will in a minute but that's not what my (laughs) that wasn't the goal of what i was saying i'm just saying that i think if you apologize and you you really I just don't understand how people. Uh, well, I haven't dug that deep, um, but I, you know, I, most of my news because I'm a, a Twitter holic. 
uh, I, I, maybe this was during the early stages. I saw where someone said that he, he his initial big, huge release statement uh, said everything but the actual words, I'm sorry. Yes, he admitted it, uh, and he said a lot of other things, but he didn't say the two key words, I'm sorry. He said that he felt great remorse. Is that is that not the same as I'm sorry? I think it is. I, I, I'm remorseful for what I've done. I think I've said I'm sorry. He named him in, in his apology letter. Right. That's more than anyone else has ever done. He's actually given credit to him, and he didn't say. Now, it, if this was the last, if it the last one, now somebody else could come out and say he's done it again. But if the last one it was in 2006, that's 11 years ago. Right. I'm not saying there's a timeline. These women deserve to be heard for what what happened, but. Does that mean that he's made changes in his life? That he realized that things are different? And is this apology? What, I, one of the things that that, com- that the comedian said that I'm talking about, he said uh, that he was uh, protecting himself and that he tried to suppress the article. Of course he tried to suppress the article right. because not, not just for himself, which obviously you would suppress because you wouldn't want people – you'd try not to have everyone know that. But you're going to ruin everyone who's worked on everything with you that's coming out. Well, listen, um, sometimes I know people, you have to ask the question, how, I mean, in terms of being remorseful, is this about, you know, now that he's gotten caught, that he's trying to save face? Because I would think that if you were really sorry, and if this was something that was keeping you up at night, and this was something that was eating at you and eating at your soul to where you looked yourself in the mirror and you said, I'm a dirty dude, why wait till the accusations come out? Why don't you, like, turning yourself into the police, why don't you initiate it and go, look, I fucked up. I did some things, and to the people who, whom I've affected, I'm sorry. I, no, I didn't agree with you. That would have been the better way for this to have gone down, because then it is showing not only that you're remorseful, but that you're that, that internally it's bothering you, not just right. for what you did to that person, but who you are as a person today. Right. And, and I get that, but... You've worked in this business. You have people that represent you besides yourself. Right. If you told, if, if you had something that was in your closet and you told the people that made money off your work that you were going to go ahead and say something like that, what would they tell you to do? They probably, probably would say don't. Right. And I'm sure that's the direction he's been given since this is, I, you know what? I, I'm not going to speculate for, for someone else. He can do that himself. He did, he fucked up, he did some shitty shit. I'm just saying, if you make an apology, if you came out, mm-hmm. um, he could have said you know, he, he. They also said it was because he um, he made himself sound a little grandiose because he said I was at a high point in that time. I thought they they admired me. Yeah, they admired, I, and I right. think what he was actually saying is why he was remorseful for what he did. It's because he wielded that power that he maybe at the time didn't realize what he was doing. Right. Again, I'm speaking for him. I don't want to. I'm just saying that all made sense to me. Everything he said made sense to me. Yeah, man, listen, man, I, you know, it, it, maybe, maybe, I, like, you know, me being 42, I feel like I'm at that stage. I think once you get in your 40s, you would think that you know yourself, you know your body, you know what you like, what you don't like. And, and, and I don't know that at this stage in my life, you know, you're stuck in your ways. And maybe, you know, when I get older, maybe I might meet some chick that, has me explore some other side of myself from a freaky sexual standpoint. But as far as I know, I'm set in my ways. And I just, I, I, I think about these dudes and I just go, yo, how do you get off on masturbating in front of a broad? Like, I, I think I'm just so old fashioned and maybe just so old school. And, and it may, I don't know if you want to use the word boring, but I just could never pull my dick out 
in front of a broad and jack off. And for what reason? If she's not involved in the jacking off process, if she doesn't consent to that kind of behavior, how could you feel that comfortable? Well, there's something else that's funny about this to me, and because it's about a joke that you do, and I'm not gonna, I don't want to do your joke here, but you make it very clear the difference between the word dick and penis. Yeah. And in this article that I was reading about the two uh, the two comedians that he uh, that said that they went back to the hotel with him, and he said very calmly, "said Do you mind if I take out my penis?" And I I don't know the reason it's funny to me is because of what you said about it. I don't think he sees. Uh, this politeness in saying penis? I know. I, I just don't think that he. That doesn't sound like a confident person that is going to. Let me pull out my dick. Dick, dick. right? And so she responded differently with some confidence to it. Well, she. They said they laughed it off, and then he proceeded to get naked. Wow. Now, again, I know that I'm defending uh, his apology. I just want you making sure that I make it clear that I'm not defending what he did. Right. And to the women that had to look at what whatever he was pulling out. My sympathies. Right. I seen mine. I don't want to just throw it out on any unsuspecting person. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I, 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 you know, I think that there's some sort of. I, I don't know if I, you know. Be careful with words. Uh, if I use the word "sick," because when you think of sick and demented people, you think of child molesters and rapists and murderers in the bottom of the barrel in the scum world. And surely, you know, a man wanting to masturbate in front of a woman. Uh, I don't know if that's sick. I mean, it might be sick if he does it without her consent. But the idea of him wanting to do that, if she allows him to, that actual act isn't sick. But I I just think about um, in terms of how as a dude could you be comfortable with someone being uncomfortable while you do what you do? Like, Like that's why it's like, you know, yeah, rape is one of the most heinous things that a, a person can do to another human being. But... I, like I wouldn't, I, I, I just would feel so uncomfortable trying to have my way with a woman, knowing she doesn't want to. I don't even think I could get an erection to, to, for a dude to even be able to get aroused, knowing that his advances are being rejected. How do you get off on that? How do you get off on pulling your dick out and jacking off in front of a woman? And if you can tell she clearly doesn't want you to, doesn't want to be there, is uncomfortable, giving you the face, have already told you no, what point past that do you still get an erection? Because that's the sick part of it, because that's the part where it's only about power. It's not about the sexual act. It's about having you really power. You about power? Yeah, it's a power over another person. That's what, that's what rapists do. It's not about... If you want power over another person, arm wrestle. If you win, you got power. No, it's it, it, it's a, it's a sickness, and that's the power. And that's what I was. That's why I was saying. I think this has to do uh, for him was the power of being able to do it, and that's what made this uh, an offense. And as far as I'm concerned, I mean, I, I, I this is a, it is a, it's offensive, and I don't like what he did. But I don't put this in the same category as a, a Harvey Weinstein rape allegations. I do find, I do separate this from rape. I, I mean, I think it was about power. Um, I think if he hasn't done it since 2006, I think that he's probably looked at himself and made some adjustments or maybe got some help for it. I don't know. But yeah. uh, there is a difference between the two, but it's still sick. I mean, if my daughter was out and she looked up, and she was a comedian, she looked up to a... a, a a comic that was his star was hanging super high right. in the comedy world, right. and uh, she went back, and this person pulled out their dick. 
you know, I, I, I would hope that I taught her well enough to leave, but yeah. I understand why someone would stay because they are in awe of this person, and this person has that kind of power. Well, you know, to me also the, the thing is, uh, you know, let's be honest. None of this is new in terms of Hollywood, which is why that term, the casting couch, yeah. has always been around. And, 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 and ever since Hollywood's inception, since the roaring 20s, uh, this thing has kind of gone on. Whether it's pedophilia or whether it's sexual harassment. But back in those days, you know, while it, yes, from, from a theoretical standpoint, it's frowned upon. Back then, in those days, you know, the shift of power was so what it is today, you know what I'm saying, in terms of... Uh, Guys did what they wanted to back then and had so much control, so much power. The thought of someone ever saying anything or ever thinking you could be in trouble was almost like, you know, pretty much nothing to nothing. Instead of little to nothing, nothing to nothing. And this is always going on. Um, it's just that now, you know, you know, times have changed. So now, you know, now you get caught. Now it's truly frowned upon. Well, now we all live in glass houses because of social media. Everybody knows what everybody does. You can't get away with shit the way that you used to think that yeah. you could get away with it. But I, I also don't under you know, I, I told you this the other day that I go back to looking at Charles Barkley when he used to say I'm not a role model and he told parents that, you know, don't don't let your kids look at me right. to be role models, you be the role model. Mm-hmm. And uh Hollywood showing its true colors to everyone right now kind of really brings that home. And he was right. He was right all along. You'd be a role model at home because we put people on pedestals. We only know one thing that they do. If they're an actor, we know that they act. If they're a comic, we know that they're comics. If they're an athlete, we know what sport they play. But the person, we don't know. Right. And that's the person we should be putting on pedestals. Again, I think we've said this numerous times. It's a, it's a, it's a slippery slope in terms of the power thing because, like, comedian Spang Horton, who's, like, one of – uh, Kevin Hart's right-hand men, he's on Twitter, and he recently tweeted something to the extent where he basically said, uh, yeah, a girl tweeted me and told me to come call me and said, come over at 2 o'clock in the morning. And she laid next to me butt naked, and she told me, look, I'm not trying to have sex. And then once she told me that, I got up and left. And then a girl responded to him by basically saying, see, you men, you think you're entitled to it. And I'm going... Well, you know, that's a little bit of a power play there, too, because and this is what makes this such a mind, a minefield to walk through, because, again, let me say no means no always means no. And it don't matter if a woman is, you know, butt naked and, you know, doing tricks and flips and turns and everything to get you arousing unless it's consensual. It ain't going down. But we all know that sometimes women play these dangerous games Look, she wouldn't have called him over and laid next to him at two o'clock in the morning if she didn't entertain the idea that something can happen. Now, she said, I'm not trying to have sex. She never said I I wasn't going to. And sometimes women will test you to see what you're going to do based on what they do. So I'm going to get naked and see what he do. Now, granted, again, as a guy. You, 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 all kind of emotions are running through you. All things, kind of things are running through your head. Why would she call me here like this? Two o'clock in the morning, lay next to me, butt naked. And to me, almost saying, I'm not trying to, has the same tone as if y'all do have consensual sex, you know, I don't usually do this. How many times have we heard a girl <laughs> say that? I, this, I ain't like that. It's like, bitch, please, you knew exactly. You know, you know what I mean? It's, it's just, it's, and, and it's like, maybe she, maybe, 
Maybe what he should have done was, look, if she's comfortable enough around me to get butt naked, let me ask her, can I take my clothes off? And if she say, yeah, now it's temptation versus temptation. Maybe that's maybe that's the maybe that's how she gets off. Maybe that's the game she wants to play. Let me get naked and see what this nigga going to do. But let me first tell him I ain't trying to have sex just so he don't expect nothing. But then you lay next to this man naked and you are the most powerful force that is our weakness right now. The idea yeah. of fucking. Yeah. So, look, I've, I, four or five years ago, I never intended to gain weight. But you put a cheeseburger in my face with bacon, nigga, fat happens. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, so, you know what I mean? Like, like uh, people, people all, all day, every day go, I ain't trying to do this. I ain't trying to do that. Every year, people go, yo, we, you know, this year, I'm going to lose weight. Happy New Year. I ain't trying to gain weight. I ain't trying to be fat and lazy. And then cut to the very next Happy New Year, and we repeat the cycle. Yeah, I, I, I think in that situation, with that chick, she was trying to test what no means. I don't know that she's trying to test what no means. Because I, I, th- I think that if you are trying to play that game, that's dangerous. That is dangerous. That's but, what, that was my point. But, but, but I know from having dealt with women, I ain't no Will Chamberlain, but I know from having dealt with women... You know, women are sometimes often more turned on by what you can do to their mind before they are what you can do to their body. Now, if her body is naked and she's there, obviously, if she consents and that goes down, you got work to do. But maybe she wanted to be stimulated in the mental before her body. So that's why I was and I said to Spank, you know, dog, if if she was comfortable enough to lay around you naked, then you should have been comfortable enough to get in front of her naked. And then from there, now it's again, you tempted me, now I'm tempting you. What, 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 what are we doing? We got a Mexican standoff. What are we doing? I'm leaving. Listen, I want to leave too, but you got a naked woman in front of you that called you over. So all I'm saying is, again, no means no, and consent is a must. But ladies, be fucking clear. That'll help save a lot of trouble. Gas money. You know what I mean? I just just be clear. I, let's have clarity. You know what I mean? If if you if you are turned on that way, if you want to try to figure me out, make chess moves, and see where I'm at mentally, and if I can push your buttons right mentally, mentally, which will lead to getting some pussy, that's fine. But but you got to be clear on some of that up front. Yeah, but there's but the the power play for the woman, and this is just I'm saying we could start. We, we had there's Tinder. We could start a new program that just said we're fucking. That's just called we're fucking. You slide, you meet. That's the agreement we're fucking. You about an inch away from putting it in, and she can just go, nah. And that's when you get up and leave. Yeah, but that's still what I'm just saying. That's all the control, all the power, and that's rightfully so. I'm not trying to say that they don't have the right to do that. But you can't take someone and, and tease them in that way and not expect sometimes, I'm not saying it's right, sometimes things to go wrong. Mm. Well, it's just, you know, again, ladies, what, how would you feel if a man took you to the mall and had you grab an arm full of shit, Gucci, Fendi, Burberry, whatever the baddest brand name shit is, brought you up to the register and pulled his wallet out and went, you know what? Nah, I'm good. Now, I'm not trying to equate that to rape. I'm just saying the same things that that touch men's buttons in the most powerful way, you know, it, it, that's frustrating to have your buttons pushed 
and then the rug pulled from under you. That's, that's all I'm saying. It is frustrating. I'm not saying, I'm not saying, and like you just said, not equating it to that. And I'm not saying that a woman doesn't have the right to say no all the way up until the last tenth of a second. Right. I'm just saying when you're pushing buttons, it's a problem. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I just think that if, if, if you know, you, you get to a point where it's like, you know, if you want to call game plan to some degree, uh, some sort of foreplay or titillation, I guess. But it's good when you can be as honest and as bold as, and, and, and as upfront with somebody as you possibly can. And, you know, again, at if, if 42 years old, and, and this is why I, it's like I'm going, dude, I, I hate the idea of having to date and start over. Because it's like I've in my twenties and thirties, you've been through those games. You know what I mean? And you have I, to I'm, stand them up for it too. I'm too fucking old yeah. to be playing these fucking you know hot potato games with emotions and what I'm supposed to do and what I'm supposed to not do. I'm, I'm I just I'm at the point where I just literally want to go look like Biggie said in his song. What's up with you, boo? We fucking like <laughs> like like uh, it's like what are we establishing here? I'm too old for that. I, at, at 2 o'clock in the morning, I need to choose between some pussy or some hot wings. I, nothing else in between. Bottom line. Yeah. Okay, you brought up something in that where you said, uh, and I don't know how deep you want to go into this because this is career shit here. Um, you said pedophiles. You brought. You said that in the... Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's really where uh, they, they came out on Kevin Spacey it's because they said the dude was... Uh, a young, he was a teen, like 14, yeah. 14 or 16 yeah. or something like that. And so that's that's why no one's defending Kevin Spacey. Right. But for as long as I've known about Hollywood, here comes the end of my comedy career. I've heard about young, young uh, boys finding casting couches, too, for these producers and these uh, directors. And Again, it, look, man, it's, it's sick shit. But you'd be naive to think that this shit hasn't gone on. In Hollywood since the very beginning. So is this the cleaning up of Hollywood? Are we going to be cleaned up? Is this I don't gonna... know that it'll ever be cleaned up because just the nature of the business. Money is power. Fame is power. And that's all an aphrodisiac. You know, and when people are trying to, you know, get that kind of pain, that, that kind of fame and, and rise to that kind of power and, you know, make that kind of money, they're willing to do whatever it takes to get there. You know, that, that's why, again, I just find it, crazy that so many of these women who are coming out against these powerful powerful people are doing it after they've been established as stars as famous as rich as powerful again i th- please to the women listening to this i'm not trying to demean what this is because i know this is serious serious stuff and I know that women will say, and it's been said, it's not easy to come out because of what the, the slander women will face and being called liars and the interrogation that they, that they go through, which in and of itself is its own horror show. But I just, it just baffles me that if, you know, it, the different, you know, there are women out there who, who, who go through this and they're not looking to be famous. They're not looking to be successful. They're not looking to be anything but who they are and, and be respected and, and taken seriously. But they don't have anything being dangled in front of their face that, you know, they dream about and work their whole lives to achieve. You know what I mean? It's like people will sit here and say to me, Yo, would you ever do a role in a movie where you had to do some real, you know, homosexual shit and blah, blah, blah. And, and in the black community, because we're so homophobic, 
the the idea of doing anything like that is blasphemous. You know, you do homosexual jokes in front of an all white crowd. White boys laugh that shit up like it's no problem. I, I look on the internet all the time. White boys play gay games with each other all the time. Punch each other in the balls. Fart powder out their ass into his boy's face when he sleep. You know, ten dudes will form a circle and put the head of they they dicks on their friend's forehead while he sleep and take pictures. Niggas don't play them kind of games. So. Back to my, my, my point, from a, from, a, from a my neighborhood, my culture, my upbringing standpoint, there's a part of me that wants to protect all that because I got to go home. At the end of the day, I got to go home. I got to be around them niggas that'll go, nigga, you did that gay shit. And to answer the question, would I do it? Listen, uh, it depends on how, how deep it goes, pardon the pun. Uh, you know, Will Smith did that movie, uh, Six Degrees of Separation, and I, I didn't see it. But was there a kissing scene? Yeah, there was a kissing scene. Yeah, you know, and you know, you, you as an artist, you want to go. Well, look, this is art. This is about art, and there's some validity to that. So, from an artistic standpoint, when you look at it that way, yeah, I guess I, depending on how how far it goes, I don't know that I could do. Some broke back mountain. Uh, one because again, my own comfort level, me personally, uh, and two again, I gotta go home. Now, if somebody said, "Look, man, thirty million dollars, the keys to your life in terms of being everything you want it to be," and you know, this is what you dream about, this is what you work hard for, to sit here and go, "Yeah, you can make a sound decision like that." At the snap of a finger, I think you'd be lying. But it's something to think about. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and you know, I, I just the timing of it bothers me. You know, and, and, and listen, I'm not a woman. I don't know what they go through. I couldn't begin to imagine what they go through. And, I, you know, whenever you come out is a brave move. I just find the timing ironic. That's all. I, I found it disappointing because when Rose McGowan came out and said that she was actually raped. Uh, these A-list actresses that are coming out now yeah. didn't come out and support her, which they had the power. I don't know. Maybe I don't understand the structure of this Hollywood thing, but right. I would think that they were A-list actresses. They they were safe, that they could have said what they needed to say, what they're saying right. now, right. and they and no, no one came to her rescue. Right. And that, that's the part that, you know, that's... You know, I guess it's on them. They have to. Everybody has to live with their own decisions. Right. I mean, I mean, look. Again, I think all this stuff is always going on in Hollywood. But back when Hollywood was strictly a, a boys' club, who were the boys that were running it? White men. Black people didn't even have a foot in the door in the beginning, and white women, you know, their position was probably just slightly above that. But, you know, times have changed now and, and, and uh, you know, it's that, you know, it, 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 the silence, the code of silence isn't what it used to be. Yeah. Th- th- this power thing is, is something, man. You know, well, it seems like it's changing. But the interesting changes are women are growing their power base anyway. Because uh, we were talking let's about be, something. Let's be specific. We're going to yeah, yeah. talk about yeah. something interesting that you brought up yesterday yeah. and that you noticed that. uh there's a big push for Hollywood women. There always has been a push for 
women's rise in power and equality in Hollywood. More more female directors, more female producers, more female uh, CEOs and, and, and vice presidents and presidents of, you know, networks and studios. But those women usually have something in common. Yeah. There was an interesting picture of the Hollywood Reporter where they had like a shitload of people. And it was all about... Uh, you know, people's rise to power, but particularly women. And, of course, 98% of the photo was white. Uh, there was two brothers in there, zero black women. And it's, I just, I just think it's unfortunate that, you know, when you hear about women coming together, it's almost like this sisterhood. Women unite, like Patrice almost said. Pussy powers activate. Like, like women have to band together to look out for women, which is a noble thing, which is a great thing and a necessary thing. But when you exclude black women from that, the only point to me that's being made is that a lot of these white women seem to be just as racist as their white male counterparts. Like, how is a woman, if you're going to reach back for the sake of womanhood, not include black women in your fraternity, you know, um, and this shit, this probably is the end of my career. Uh, but you know, you know, I, I just don't even think that they're noticing. Uh, yeah, because so all they do we, is we, cannot, we cannot dismiss that like that. You can't. No, no, no. But what I was going to say because there, this is where the privilege thing comes in. When you just see women and you're a white woman, you just see that you're moving forward because the privilege part of it. You don't notice that there's other people that are. Still being looked over in that same. You piece. think you don't notice? You, you think it's? I don't think that it's not that they don't know. I don't. You would have to care to notice. So you can take that for how I said it. They don't notice, not because uh, they're looking out, because they don't care. They just moving forward. Listen, this term that we always hear Hollywood use to describe beautiful women, women who with the terms America's sweetheart, the girl next door. We, they, that's one of the those two quote those two sayings run rampant in show business. Whenever they describe some new cute as a button, dimples on the face, wide eyed, beautiful, all oh, cuddly, she's just so cute, girl. She's always either America's sweetheart or the girl next door. But neither one of those girls are ever women of color. It's always a white chick, you know. Uh, and listen, in society and in and in, and in American life particularly black women, have never been thought of to be as beautiful and as noble and as worthy as white women. And, and you know, you could name maybe all the black women that do TV and maybe some film on one hand. And, you know, that, need, that, that needs to change. You know, I, you know this is, I don't believe that this is just coincidental. You know? I, it's not coincidental. When you're when when people are casting a when people are casting a comic book character, and they want to make the comic book character black, and the comic book character is an imaginary character, and people are going, "No, it can't be. He can't be black. He's 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 white. It's 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 a character. It's a comic book character." Well, then maybe I, maybe I'm a little bit fucked up in that way because if you fuck it with my childhood, those are my memories. I don't want you fucking with my childhood. So if 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 Robin and Batman and Robin was white, leave Robin white. 
I don't want no nigga named. I don't want no nigga named Tyrell playing Robin. Okay, if someone writer wrote a, a screenplay, and in his head, a white writer writes a screenplay, he most likely will see most of the characters as white mm-hmm. when he's writing the screenplay. Right. And then when they go to cast it. It, there's, but there's no, and, and you know when they go to cast, they, it says black character. It'll say white guy. Or sometimes it'll say any ethnicity. Yeah, yeah. So, but is it necessary? The person is just words on a sheet of paper at the time. Most of the time, that doesn't even affect the script. Why? This is this is just the way that things have. I'm not agreeing with what I'm saying right now. I'm saying mm-hmm. this is the way that things have always been done. How convenient, isn't it? Though. How convenient. So. That's the change that needs to be made. It's just in the open mind. It's in, it's in the perspective that people have. People don't have the perspective. You know, I'm going to tell you this because I think this is funny. You know what I've been asked for the last uh, month from different club managers, different club places? Hey, uh, so you just do urban rooms. Because I go out with you and I do, uh, I, can, I can handle myself in your rooms. Mm-hmm. That I'm now, now I'm the white dude. Who does urban rooms? I'm no longer just a comic. It, perception is everything. Everybody has this pre- preconceived notions of the way things go. Yeah, but you can always go back to your world a lot quicker than I can come into your world. Well, listen, I, 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 there was this guy. Uh, he's a black dude that lives in Phoenix. And he, uh, he tweeted out something about, uh, could he be racist? And I have a different, and he said he could be racist. He said that he is racist. He has racist. Right. And uh, I, I have to talk to him about this because what you just said right now, I, I mean, I want to explain these things because it's, it's not correct if I don't explain them. He can be bigoted, but he can't practice the, the, the art of racism the same way. Because as you just said, if I decided as a comedian that I wanted to stay in the entertainment business, but I never wanted to work with a black dude again, whether it be a manager, whether it be an agent, whether it be a club owner, whether it be, I could I could pull that off. Right, right. You could never pull that off. Not not if I hope to attain the level of success. Some white as, some as white dude is going to yeah. get in your way somewhere along the line. Well, the opportunities are just more. So, but people don't people don't see it <coughs> in that way. People don't like when when I'm talking to, when I talk to a white dude about what I just said, like what we're talking about, like a script, and, and they, they have ethnicities ethnicity. Ethnicity. already pre programmed into their head because that's just how they see the world, but they don't see the world exactly how everybody else has to see it if they're not white. Right. It's a challenge. It's a challenge to get anything changed in that, in, in that perception of, of, of those categories. And that's what makes it difficult. But what I was trying to but, say... But, but, but just also know, again, in this business, the key word is power. Yeah. And but, no one wants to relinquish power. No. But that's the whole thing about... Uh, the power is... When, when you talk about white privilege, too, which is part of this power structure that everybody's talking about, I'm not going to give up anything that I have. I'm not giving it up. I look at it as cake. I have my cake. I'm going to eat my cake. Right. But anybody who I like and or that I feel like is my friend... Like, we're... Like anyone that's in my community, not I'm not talking about color, I'm not talking about any, I'm talking about my community. They want some cake, I'm going to help them get cake. The racism part comes in when you're a white dude and you have other people that want cake and you start telling people there's no more cake because you, you're keeping it all for yourself. Cake is available. 
It's just a, the racist part is when you're hiding it, when you're writing a script and you can't see a black person in a part that's just words, or you can't see an Indian right. in it. Or you we know it's see. available. It's just a question of who's handed out the slices. Right. Right. That's all the cake is. That's right. all. That's what. It, that's what it represents to me. I don't right. know. I could be completely fucked up. I'm an idiot. I don't know what I'm talking about <laughs> half the time. But. It's how I see it, and that's what I see when some of the problems are when we're talking about this. I, I, and when you pointed that out to me, again, I don't think I'm a racist person. I didn't notice that it was all white women. I really didn't notice that. I didn't take, I didn't take that in, in, into account. So when you saw only two black dudes out of, out of 75 people and not one single woman of color, how do you not notice it? You know, you know because I didn't put any... Because, because in, in, in your world... That's normal. normal. That's what I was just going to say. That's it's normal. normal. The idea of not seeing niggas around is normal. It, it was normal. It was normal in that in that particular picture. To me, there was it was normal. Normal right. is a great word for it. Right. Now, but I and whether you believe me or not, it's not something that I always pay attention to. Mm-hmm. I live my life a little bit differently. Yeah, but you know how many times we hear white people say that. Dude. dude, I just I didn't I never thought of it that way. I don't pay I don't give it that kind of thought. Well, th- the fact that, that you're not even able or willing to 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 pay attention to the fact that there's stuff outside of you. What does that say about you? No, no, and and it's a big it's a bigger deal than that because I'm kind of aware. I mean, we have these conversations. You, know, my personal feelings are laid out here pretty well on this podcast. I'm pretty aware. And for me to be honest and say, sometimes I just don't notice. Because you're right. I, I grew up, I, I live in Phoenix, Arizona. I, I did hear, you know, um, uh, Tony Rock came in there and he said that, that it was racially mixed. He saw when he went out like to Scottsdale, he'd see everybody together. But when I, when I go out, I just, I don't notice it. I don't notice it one way or the other. I got to be honest. If you would have probably put 30 black folks in there, I don't know that I would have noticed. 30 black folks and where? In that picture. I don't know that I would have noticed. I wouldn't, oh, of course uh, you would have noticed. It. No, I, I don't think I would have. I, it dep- so if the ratio was 30 black people to two white people, you don't notice that? I, I might not notice. I really wouldn't, just at a quick glance. But yeah, I swear to you. But where, where I did notice it is, in this Hollywood thing, and this is where we could turn it back into this, mm-hmm. they're all white men. Because really, the only people who get in power that can pull this kind of shit off are white men. Because black men don't have that same power in Hollywood, right? Very few. I don't want to. I don't want to sound like I, black men don't have any power in Hollywood. They do, but very few do. Well, it, well, the black men that do feels like they have to eventually answer to someone who's white. There's levels of power. the The final check the the, the person that signs the final check ain't a, ain't a person of color. So there you go. Well, that was the Chris Rock thing. Yeah. The list. You want to do the list? Yeah, we we didn't really minutes. do anything. We just talked about race right now. That's all we That's talked all right. about. That's all right. I guess. You made me feel kind of racist, though, about not noticing some shit. <laughs> I really don't know. I know it sounds weird. But that's typical white shit, what you're saying. I know it is typical. I don't see color. I don't no, see no, no, color. No, no, no. I see color. Don't. I'm not kidding. No, no, I'm not. I don't mean in terms of that actual term. I hate that term when people say that. Right. But, but I'm just saying, like, you know. I don't see color like that's a problem when that's the problem. I, I get what you're saying, why that's the problem. But in another sense, if that's all you're looking for, that's a problem as well. Yeah. All right. We're going to run down our. Uh, yo, yo. Uh, 39 through uh, 
through 20, I guess, is where we're going here right now. Well, we left off with uh, Mort Saul, number 40, on uh-huh. this list, old-time uh, comic. Uh, 39, though, uh, Billy Crystal. Yeah, man. To this day, one of my favorite movies of Billy Crystal, When Harry Met Sally. And not just because of the comedic parts of it. Uh, again, I'm a sap for romance, man. And the way that movie, let me tell you, man, the way that movie plays from beginning to end, it's like the perfect album. Like, just every track is great. That movie flows. That's a great fucking movie, man. It's one of my favorite Billy Crystal movies of all time. Over City Slickers. I like that other movie he did, uh, the one in Paris, about him being an NBA referee. Oh, yeah, that was good. And that that was romantic. Too. Those, I, I'm telling you, when you mix good romance and comedy, oh, my God. What, you know, you brought up about uh, you would play a gay character. He got introduced to America, basically, though, on soap, playing the the gay kid. The gay, he was young at the time. I never really watched soap. You never watched soap? No, no, no. I knew more about him from You Look Marvelous on yeah. Saturday Night Live and did, then from then on. Did you like his Muhammad Ali? Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought I thought uh, he did a good Ali, you know? Yeah, he did a good Ali. I liked that he did not He did both. <laughs> Ali the the and, young guy and the older guy? Yeah, well, I am, no, but the, uh, uh, who was the, the sports announcer at the time? Howard Cosell. Howard Cosell. Oh, Mohammed Ali. Yeah, those, those were great. Today. Ali, you put up a great fight. You know what? I told you about the greatest fight of all time. The greatest. I fought Senelitz. I fought Joe Frazier. I've never been, never been knocked out. I've been knocked down. When you look at my face, I'm still pretty. I'm still the champion. I'm still the best. It's old, Ali. And everybody, people talk so fast. I fought Joe Frazier. Fought Senelitz. I was a great fighter. Yeah. That was Muhammad Ali. <laughs> and we're moving on, champ. <laughs> Uh, your guy, Bill Maher, number 38. Oh, yeah, man. Um, I know sometimes he gets shit from people as being a little pretentious, mm-hmm. kind of an asshole. But, uh, again, when you look at the facets, the different facets of comedy and what make this, what we do great, this, he tackles an area of comedy that you got, not everybody can pull off, which is one of the most hardest things to pull off. Political humor. Yeah, that's where his arrogance, I guess, comes from. What do you like? Do you like him at 38, or do you think he should be higher or lower? I think he should be a little bit higher, yeah. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm an avid fan of real time with Bill Maher. I live for those, uh, um, what was it, the, the rules, the, what do they call it? Uh, uh, real, no, uh, real, t- no, real time? No. no, 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 fuck, why is it escaping me? rules, no. Uh, it's time for new rules, new everybody, rules. new rules. Jesus. Yeah, I live for the new rules, man. No, um, and he, and you just when you watch him, especially on that show, he knows what the fuck he's doing. Even if you make a point that might be better than his, or you might be right, he has a way of just getting his point across to where he, it's like he shuts you down. I would love, I would, I would pay pay per view money to see him on there with uh, himself, Eric Dyson, Chris Rock. Uh, God was. Fucking name escapes me. Oh, the black dude that has the Frederick Douglass hair with the gap in his teeth. He always wears the scarf. It's going to kill me that oh, I don't remember his oh, name. I know who you're talking about. He's like, a, he's like a professor. Not a professor, but damn it. I'd love that too, too. Yeah. I mean, him and, him and Eric Dyson are such intellectuals. And the chemistry of when they work off a of bill. Yeah. God, what's that fucking guy? Dude. It's going to kill me. But yeah, him, and there's a couple other dudes on there, like like an all-star panel of just the best 
political minds going at it. And I'd love to see him take on Donald Trump one-on-one. Or, and you know what's funny? They had Tommy Loren on there. And I thought they were just going to eat her ass up. But what was funny was she, like Donald Trump to me, are such trolls. I don't mean to get too much off topic, but like Donald Trump talks so much shit on the Internet and on, on, on fucking Twitter. But when faced with the, with the opposition, he, he tucks his dick in between his legs. All the shit he said about China. Then he goes and meets with the Chinese yeah. president. And all of a sudden he's reversing his shit. Tommy Loren talks so much shit. And then when I saw her on real time, she was just quiet little mouse because I think she knew if she was the Tommy Loren from her from the protection of her show, they would have ate her up. And listen, that bitch is about one more hanging out with a nigga away from fucking a black man. She it's it's the rant. She has a rant without the rant, without that just quick pace. This is how I feel. She doesn't have it. She does not have it. It's just the rant. Yeah. So so that was Bill Maher. You would move him up. Number 37, Martin Lawrence. In my book, in my book, Martin's in the 30s. I love Martin in movies. Martin has a way of delivering certain lines, certain facial expressions in movies where I don't feel his stand-up like that. His stand-up, he, you know, I'll watch it. He'll make me laugh a little bit. But I, I, I love Martin in movies. Bad Boys 1 and 2, especially the first one, he got some reactions, man, that cracked me the fuck up. Martin's a legit funny dude. I just prefer his movies more than his stand-up. All right. Uh, 36, Jim Carrey. Oh, should be higher. Yeah. Should be higher. He's just been out for a while. For what he does, yeah. the way he did it. And, you know, you just knew when you watched him on In Living Color, he was going to pop. Yeah. You, you, you didn't go, I don't know about this dude. No one was doing what he was doing, doing it. No one was doing what he was doing when he was doing it. You just knew. And then when he came out, when he, when he did come out in the movies, it's like he just went on a run of, I'm taking Hollywood by storm, Ace Ventura, The Mask, Liar, Liar. Like, it's just like he couldn't miss. No, and it was great, though. But the, the uh, Ace Ventura changed. Like, that comedy stretch for a while, that was, that was the new standard. I, I, I think he should be much higher. Much higher. Um, 35, Phyllis Diller. Too old school for me. Dude, I actually saw her yeah. probably about 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, I was going with some, uh, an older couple. They were, I used to work for these people, and they, they took me. I got to tell you, I was, I, was, I was impressed, though. I was impressed because if you saw her live, it still translated. It wasn't like what it was I was want to see. Again, from, from, from just being a comic, you can respect the yeah. chops. Yeah, I respect but, what she but was But again, when you talk about. She's not 35. Yeah, that, what is she? You know, she's thirty five. I mean, oh, okay, she, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but, I but, but, but that era, yeah, that that Morton guy, Mortsall, yeah, that's uh, whole, yeah, you know, uh, fucking uh, Buddy Hackett, Phyllis Diller, Joan Rip, they're from that era, right? You know, that's just not my era. Well, it's funny you said that. Number thirty four is Buddy Hackett. <laughs> yeah, dude, I love Buddy Hackett because I used to watch, and I'm older than you, but so I used to watch Carson every night. I used to beg my parents to stay up to watch Carson. And when Buddy Hackett was on there, it was they were bleeping him out. They were it, it, and, and, for, and for that time that was cutting edge. It was. But yeah. he was just I, I really find him funny. I still would I would put him about probably where he is, but I that's not uh it's not gonna be on the top of my list. Number thirty three, Andy Kaufman. 
That's such an acquired taste. Dude, you know what's hard for me is that I'm, I'm basing all this on stand-up. Just stand-up. Solely right. stand-up in my head. Right. And so I even talked to you about some right. people that I don't think should be on this list, even though they're talented right. and they've done stand-up, but that's not what they're known for. Well, he... Andy Kaufman was a performance artist. It was just before his time. I mean, he was he did stand up. He right. worked at the improv, but I think that he was I don't I think he was the initial he started a genre that didn't exist at the time. Right. Yeah, he's like escargo. Man, he's an acquired taste, to, brother. To take out people for milk and cookies from right. the comedy club. That's not that's not stand-up comedy. That's performance art. So right. that, I I I have a Love Kaufman. I know we have, we probably differ on that, right. but I just don't have him in as a stand-up in my head. Yeah, it's hard for me to see that too. Uh, Thirty-two though is interesting. It's it's Albert Brooks. I, I knew him more as the movie guy. I I, I know him I, I know as he did director some, and writer. Some dudes did stand up for half a minute, long enough for them to get their movie career going, and then they abandoned it. And the comedy that I did see him perform stand up, I think is great, but right. I know him the same way that you do. And I have a hard time including him in that. This one, you're not going to, uh, well, I don't know you well enough to say this yet. George Burns, number 31. Again, that era. It that was, era. Era. but it was, he, he, he was someone when I was a little kid that I actually made me laugh. So I, I, well, when I, you're I, a little kid, a, a, everything a, makes a, you laugh. A poop makes you laugh. Well, yeah. Uh, 30 is Gary Shanley. Just not my cup of tea. Dude, I love Shanley. Yeah, I know. And I know the, Ganley, the Gary Shanley show was revered for what it did. Yeah. Uh, but just not my cup of tea, man. Okay. Uh, 29, Milton Berle. Again, that era. That era. <laughs> that must be the people that they're basing this uh, list on because uh, yeah. 28 is Jack Benny. Yeah, it feels like there's, there's, there's homage being paid. Yeah. Uh, Jack Benny was uh, 20, uh, 28, which is another right. same same thing. All these people are going to move yeah. out of this top li- top part of the list. I mean, right. I'm, I'm going to leave them in the top 100, but I'm not putting yeah, them in Yeah, I think they're all in the 100, but I, I, I don't know that they're certainly not in the top 50. Right. Uh, 27 is Jay Leno, though. Too campy for me. Dude. Maybe I'm basing that off his monologues on the, on the Tonight Show, but I don't think it's real stand-up. It's too far from that. I, I appreciate his work ethic. I yeah. thought it was funny. But as far as I'm concerned, for my lifetime, right. for who I am, right. I feel that if you look back at where America kind of got off of its path of trying to go in the right direction, right. I say it was at that time when NBC promoted Jay Leno to the Tonight Show and not David Letterman. I think if you looked at right there, that's about where America goes askew, right. as far as as far as like entertainment. They met. I wanted to see Letterman on that show. Right. I, I know Letterman and Jay don't have animosity, <laughs> but it, it bothers me. Uh, that's oh, no. that's the part that bothers me about uh, Leno. Um, number twenty six, Ray Romano. Yeah, Ray, <laughs> ma, yeah, ma. Do you put him in the twenty twenty six? Uh, yeah, why not? I could see okay. that. All right, twenty-five. Bob Hope. Era. All right, I'm going to give you twenty-four. Was there any niggas in that black and white era? I'm going to give you number twenty-four, and we're going to discuss this one because I, I, I'm. You, you could say the same thing that you just said, but I don't think so. Red Fox. Number twenty-four. Yeah. Top twenty. See, and he's from that era too, but he changed comedy. 
I think it was a little after that era a little bit. He's somewhere between late late sixties, early seventies. Well, and it's from a different place. He wasn't playing uh, the the Poconos. I mean, he came right. from a different. Yeah. So it's different, even though right. it's even if it is kind of. But the same but thing. from that era, based on his style of comedy, man, that's like. That's like doing uncut cocaine. I really like Red Fox. Red Fox is in. Uh, that's one of the ones that was at my house, and I got to listen. And that to it. Sanford and show was groundbreaking. And that was prior to though. Yeah. Okay. Uh, number twenty three. I know we're going to differ on this one. This one's going to make me excited to, to differ on you, Stephen Wright. I respect. I, I respect that style. I don't think that works for a whole lot of people. Well, let me be specific. That wouldn't really work for brothers. No, but I don't think it works for a lot of people. And for him to commit to that and be able to do yeah, it. but he was he he had a fan base, dude. Yeah, that's what I mean. To be able to commit to that, right? And to develop that fan base around this particular character, yeah. it's pretty amazing. It was a particular style that some people dug, and I and I do think it's quite genius. Right. I don't know that it's not somebody that I would probably put on my CD player right. all the time, but I, I really did find yeah. him to be genius. Number twenty-two, Robert Klein. Was he a stand-up? Oh, yeah. I think I'm thinking of somebody else. Robert Klein was... Uh, Seinfeld credits him with being his like top comedian. Is that right? Yeah, because he was a regular guy doing comedy, and that's what Seinfeld kind of related to. Mm, okay. So, I don't know. I don't know where we put him. Uh, I like him at 22. I don't know if I like him at 22. Uh, I have to think about this one. Uh, 21, Dennis Miller. <laughs> uh... I think Dennis Miller's in the top 40. Top 40, okay. Yeah. Um, we did a skit on Mad TV my first year called Dennis Miller Hostage Negotiator. And uh, I, I forget, Craig something. The guy that did him did a kick-ass Dennis Miller. And actually, uh, it, it was my idea that I, that I came up with because I did impressions, but I couldn't do Dennis Miller. But I thought if this, if this was done right in that Dennis Miller – voice and style it would be hilarious so basically the sketch was a guy trying to you know jump off a ledge and dennis miller has to come and talk him down but he do it he does it in that dennis miller-esque with the big words that only exist in a, in a thesaurus and in most dictionaries and it just drove the guy so fucking crazy he jumped because <laughs> uh, you know I, I wish i could give an example almost but like uh, uh jesus um so now you want to jump off the it's it's a terrible impression, but I just you, you oh god I wish I, people could see that sketch because it made so much sense. You know you need you need somebody to talk you down and say the kind of right words. And Dennis's rant just made this motherfucker go. I can't take this no more. And even myself and Deborah Wilson, who played two patrolman officers, were out on the ledge with him trying to get him to come back in. And by the time Dennis finished, we all jumped. jumped. Yeah. <laughs> So that would should be the last one, but I want to do 20 because uh, there's two comics at 19 and 20, but I want to just do 20 because uh, I want to separate these two for, so we can spend more time on them. Uh, number 20 is uh, Sam Kennison. Not my cup of tea, but, you know, again, you know, a, a lot of these comedy co co uh, comedians, because comedy is so subjective, and again, we're in the comedy game, so I respect everybody's style and uniqueness and what makes them who they are, even if they don't make me laugh. And, and Sam Kinison never did it for me like that. But again, the man had a huge following. He was a rock star of a comedian. 
and he brought the bitches out. He made them white bitches come out, porno stars, strippers, woo, showing their titties. He was a rock star, so you got to respect that. I like that he came from uh, from uh, being a preacher to being uh, right. And, 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 so he went from being God's work to the devil. Well, yeah, he talks about that too, but I just thought he was genius in the way that he did it, and the way. And, that and, and, and if there's any anybody out there listening, if you want to see the best, and I think the only. 100% kick-ass, dead-on Sam Kinison impression. YouTube Craig Gas. Yeah, Gas does it. So gas, good. man. He owns that like Frank owns, Frank Caliendo owns Madden. And some people might say, I own Shaq or Jay-Z <clears throat> or DMX. But Craig Gas, man. Woo! You're Jay-Z. I mean, I like how you're other, but that one is so hard to do. Huh. <laughs> And you have it on point. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, listen, that is the... We're, we're was that here. the list? That was their list. That's all we're doing tonight. Oh, shit. That was 20? That was 20. Oh, okay. And, but uh, we got to... Because we got to go start a show anyway. We're at... We uh, have to start a show, Muhammad Ali. Yeah. We're at the now break. you got me started. <laughs> what are you looking forward to seeing, Muhammad? I want to see the great comedians. I know I like Ann Steinberg. Jew Mexican. I never fought in the Jew Mexicans. I, my, my accounts were Jewish. Uh... I knew, I knew Mexicans, but I didn't really know Mexicans. I've been to Mexico one time, and it was only to get away from Jews. And I, I look forward to seeing their spears. Those great impressions. Mmm, I'm the greatest. Thank you, Mohammed. Back to Andrew Steinberg. <laughs> well, we're at the Brea Improv. Yeah. We're finishing up our weekend over here. Sunday Last night. Last show Sunday. tonight, 7 o'clock. Ready to go home. Uh, listen, though, guys, I, I want to make this clear. Uh, we enjoy doing this, but we would like to see some traction. I am uh, I am at Andy Comedy on Twitter at Andy Comedy on Twitter. I need to get some uh, tweets sent to me. Tell me what you feel. Tell me what you need. Aries, uh, Aries Spears forty five at Hotmail. Uh, please, yeah, reach out. Let me know what the biz is, <clears throat> and always follow me on Twitter at Aries Spears. And to the couple of guys that do tweet me and tell me you like the podcast, I love you guys for that. Tweet about it. Let everybody know. Try to get people hooked in. And as always, support your boy on Pandora, Aerie Spears. YouTube, Aerie Spears. Hit the uh, subscribe button, Aerie Spears Official, on fucking uh, Instagram and Aerie Spears Facebook and all that. All right, guys. Yep. Thanks.